Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi. I want to take advantage of a few minutes that I have here tonight. Today's turning out to be a much more busy day than I expected. I thought I would have enough time to do this podcast at length, but it turns out, I guess, Baruch Hashem, things are very busy around here. Uh, before I do anything else, I want to say that this podcast now, when the Parsha of the Week, is uh, sponsored by Avron Elbaum, Ari Elbaum's cousin. That's not Ari Elbaum, it's Avron Elbaum, uh, in memory of his. Uh, grandmother's yard site, which is tonight on Rosh Tonight, Rosh Chodesh Av. Uh, Rose Lerner, Razel Bas Henach, and Shamash and Ali, as they say. And uh, Avron's mom, Shirley, was on our trip to Prague, Man, Budapest. So she will give you an unbiased report since she was uh, enthusiastic over it. I'm only interested in unbiased reports that completely uh, conform to what I expect. Now, let me uh, jump into this right now while I have the time. Today, a Parsha's Mata Samase, a double Parsha, and there's one or two things that suggest themselves to me as I'm sitting here uh, strapped for time. First of all, it so happens, it so happens in my shoulder that uh, the other day, uh, between Mechamire, so we had five minutes, so I just opened up at random the Chayotam, and, uh, you know, Hilchus Tainus, just uh, really at random. And I saw you had a whole passage over there, which is based on the Shulchan Aruch. Chayyim is always based on Shulchan Aruch. One five seventy one, Tuf Kavayin Aleph. And he talks about the fact of Mishavra Averis Yeduim Maburbro Kech Bekisi Arizal Kamiyam Sarcha Lisanos Lekapar, which means that there's all kind of fasts out there. They're the ones that you and I know about, the tiny Tzibers like Tisha B'Av and Shmuel and Thomas. And the people who have their own private fasts by way of penitence, which means if you did a certain sin. Seems to be very popular. I've spoken about this before, prior to the Baal Shem Tov, and uh, people would uh, fast to afflict themselves by way of uh, torturing themselves to undo the pleasure that you got from the sin, that sort of thing. And uh, that's the Chubas Hamishkal. And there are others who simply out of a sense of wanting to be penitential, not repentance. Repentance is a mental thing that's uh, required by the Talmud but uh, and by the Bible. But penitence, penance, penance, is the word in English means you do something physical to your body to afflict it uh, to, to by way of uh, of uh, sort of torturing yourself to somehow or other uh, make up for the pleasure that you gain through the sin. And uh, the Shulchan speaks in general language. The Chayyotamin is wonderful way always weaves together a lot of different sources in a wonderful synthetic way. I'm a big fan of Chayyotam, and he says somebody who uh, has averus you do him which I take to mean sexual sins, uh, as is written in Rokech and Skipsi Arizal. These are the super uh, strict uh, sin books. So uh, he should fast. Even though it hurts a lot, but the whole point is to hurt a lot. Now, by the way, these are not required. These are what you're, is, is proper to do. You understand? It isn't a Shulchan Aruch, but it's, it's only if somebody wants to do it, feels like it. There's no point telling somebody who is not feeling repentance that you should just go and torture yourself. And then he goes on to talk about the fact that if the guy's a Talmud Chacham, 
And the sources talk about this, the Gemara and elsewhere, Tainus, the Shulchanach, and the Tour, and the Shulchanach, but and he's learning all day long, or that sort of thing. I feel doing. Then he shouldn't afflict himself with all these fasts and similar things, but rather instead of penance, do repentance. He should repent mentally uh, before the Lord with a full heart, meaning and really mean it. And he should cry from the depths of his heart, the walls of his heart. And learn more than uh, than you do ordinarily, and then listen to the language. Torah mikvah taira. The Torah is a mikvah. Venivshal and it's also a fire. Which is from our parsha today, right? Because you have the war of Midian, and we have the famous story where the soldiers return, and they want to know what to do with the Geuli Midian with the with the Kalim. Uh, <laughs> it's a really Jewish story. Just killed a million people, and they're going to kill more women by the time Moshe's finished. But what do you do with the kashas? You know, the ordeal questions. What do you do with the, with the tray for Kalim? After all, you want to bring back and use the uh, dishes and pots and pans that you uh, captured from the uh, from the enemy who's now dead. And this is where we learned the laws of how to kosher, uh, you know, Kalim. And uh, one of them is you. You know, you're familiar with this, I'm sure. Anything that was used in hot water, you can you can do it through agala, through hot water. Anything you used, like a, a grill or something like that, but fire, you have to burn it out, libun, as we call it today. These all come from today's Parsha, right? These all come from the wars of Midian and the aftermath of the war of Midian. But look how the Chayyotim, and many others, I'm sure, shooting, he's not the only one. Look how they interpret this in a famous moral fashion. Uh... The, the Hasidim, and remember, Chayyotim was brother in law to Vilnagon, so it lived in Vilna, so he ain't no Chassid. And the Hasidim uh, are famous for replacing the Sigufim with the Mikvah, meaning, whereas in the old days, if somebody did a sin, you tell him to whip himself or fast or beat him, or get beaten or things like this uh, to afflict the goof. In Hasidis, what they said was, that ain't for this generation. Go to the mikvah ten times, twenty times, thirty times, whatever, and the uh, immersion in the mikvah itself with the right machshava, that will be mitaher. One, because the mikvah is mitaher a lot of things, so it can also be mitaher a bad person, uh, and that's why the have big thing going to the mikvah all the time. You know, uh, thereupon rises the whole genre of shilas in the nineteenth century about you know hot mikvahs on Saturday on Shabbos. How can you do that? And <laughs> I remember that who is the Divri Chaim, I believe, said. It's also, but since we see all the Gedolim do it, so it's mutter. He has the words like that. I kid you not. It's in the uh, Divrei Chaim, uh, the Sons of Rav. It was always very funny. I think I once used it in a speech somewhere in college. And anyway, he says, really, also, but since we see all the Gedolim do it, all the big Rebbes, so it's good. Pukhazima uh, Rebbe Omer. But the uh, Chayotim is uh, not from that school. Uh, we darn sure he didn't go no Hakvet Mikvah on Shabbos. And he's a Misnagad. And so the language you find for Misnagdim goes like this. The Torah is the Mikvah. I saw this, by the way, in the Nefeshachim. Maybe I mentioned it on a podcast, maybe I didn't, I don't remember. Uh, but he uses that language. The Torah is the Mikvah. Is the mikvah. So instead of physical, let's put it this way. The original was to beat yourself and roast yourself on a stove or whatever. Uh, you know, the Rokeh has to you sit and, sit and be stung by bees covered by honey. Oh my goodness. 
all kind of stuff. But uh, the other way is to go to the mikvah. The third way is you throw yourself into learning. I mean, heavy-duty learning. And then the Torah is washing you. You get what I'm saying? The Torah is the mikvah. I saw that language in the Nebuchadnezzar um, Chaim, and now I see the Chayolim. They're all from the circle of the Gro, right? All from the circle of the Gro. And not only that, but he goes on to say, like you say in today's Parsha, the Torah is not only a water, the Torah is also an ish. Meaning, as you look through the Tanakh, you find many times the Torah is referred to as water, and you also find other times the Torah is referred to as ish. So, of course, it's a simile, but what does it mean? And he'll, of course, be explaining here wonderfully, and that's why I'm sharing this with you, it's a nice fart, that uh, a person who did a sin of passion, because he's talking about what he calls Averos Yeduim, these are things... I'm not sure, but I believe they involve some sexual transgression, which therefore involves uh, passion. Uh, Yitzhara, the Yitzhara was, was too hot. Uh, that's the language he used. You know, couldn't control it. Uh, you should have, you didn't. And uh, and therefore gave in uh, to the fires of the Yitzhara. Okay, so whatever got ruined by fire can be made kosher by fire. Like you see with the vessels of Midian. Kosher of Yavayesha was... If, if they use it for, for, for pigs or something like that in, in a pig barbecue, you can reburn it. The same fire will burn it out and be matirate. And indeed, in halachi, you know, if you really make something red hot, then you nuke all the, the, the tarfus or whatever that's inside. So imagine it's like a speech, like a sermon. The person gave in to the Eight Sahara for whatever kind of Eight Sahara. There are a lot of the Eight Saharas out there, uh, especially nowadays. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you're lying. And. Uh, but the Torah can also be learned with a passion. That's what he means. Now, of course, the Chayyotam, the Vilna going circle, the Nefesh Chayyim, I mean, you know, they didn't learn like you and me. They learned with a super passion. But it's just a very litvish kind of art, you know? And what does he say over here? And he should reduce all luxuries, and only eat uh, what you need. When I saw this, I was startled. And I thought, oh, I found something here. And I was going to use it in the uh, for a podcast, but I just looked it up and it, and it wasn't true. This sounded exactly like the note of Yehuda, uh, or Chaim 35, when you had that guy who uh, is like an X-rated uh, chuba, you know, guy was having an affair with the lady he was staying at, uh, Sheba Bucher, uh, for years. The husband had no idea what was going on, and then he ends up marrying the daughter, believe it or not. It's, a, it's like a movie. In fact, it was a movie. And... Um, and then he does teshuva. And then he writes to the local rabbi, what should I do? And the guy says, I ain't handling this. I'm sending a note of Yehuda. And uh, the sinner, I want you to be clear, the sinner confessed on his own. Nobody knew a thing about it. The girl wasn't talking. The lady wasn't talking. The guy just one day, it, you know, the, his conscience overtook him, which is actually a good sign. I mean, you might say like this, how come it took you five years? But nevertheless, sooner or later, the conscience overtook him. And... Uh, and then he asked the note of Yehuda for a penance. Not a repentance, but a penance. And he uses that kind of language. But I looked inside closely now. He doesn't use the actual language. I thought that this was the Chayyotam's copying. Because, my friends, the Chayyotam was a Talmud of the note of Yehuda. That's where he got Smicha from. Uh, even though the Chayyotam was in Vilna, but he learned in Prague. And I myself was in Prague, what is it now, two weeks ago? And uh, it's a remarkable trip. And you can totally uh, you know, smell the environment of the heavy-duty learning that was there once upon a time. Unfortunately, it collapsed later on. But if you ever read the Nod of Yehuda or those contemporaries at Shuba Me'ava and Zerach Eidlitz knows 
people, I mean, you know, they, they were learning up a storm with a fire. And uh, that can be your mikvah, and that can be your, uh, what's it, burning at the stake. I guess that's the language used today. Remember, Joan of Arc was burned at the stake? You can burn yourself at the stake, figuratively, through a heavy-duty learning. Uh, I mention this because there is a tradition in some, it's in the Shulchan Aruch also, that a Tamakotan doesn't have to pay so much. And I've heard, I don't know if it's true, certain yeshivas in Israel, that they, uh, you know, they don't fast. That's what I was told. I could be wrong. Uh, I don't mean, uh, you know, Yom Kippur, of course, uh, but some of the others. And the idea being instead you, you, you learn double as much or whatever. Meaning like this. You're not having a good time. You're saying, ha, 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 because of Tamil Chacham, I can go to the restaurant and eat up a storm. Ha, 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 ha. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about the type of person who says, I'm there at the morning Seder, I'm there at the afternoon Seder, I'm there at the evening Seder. So for breakfast, I eat two sandwiches. For lunch, I eat two sandwiches. And for supper, I eat three sandwiches, you know? Uh, meaning he's not he's not e- eating a big fancy meal. He's just eating lakium gufo. I think that's what they're talking about over here. And uh, look at this. You take a story from the Torah, which is one about battle conditions and about kashras, and you transform it into a, a tale of penance and repentance all wrapped into one through the learning. The note of Yehuda said that... Um, How's it work? You should learn hard stuff. He told this guy he wanted a penance, not a repentance. You should learn hard stuff. I remember he said, learn the, learn the Mishnahis, be in with the post, he's not the... Uh, should learn heavy-duty stuff. And if it hurts you, good! That's the pain you should have. So you can have a pain of uh, starving, or you can have a pain of overworking mentally. Overworking mentally. And you give a headache, and, uh, you know, it's frustrating, all the rest of it. Good, you should embrace that pain. Because that pain will be your kapara. That pain will atone you know, for the pleasure you had for whatever the sin was. All I'm saying is, we have a very rich Jewish tradition. We have a lot of different rivers flowing out of the original. And this is one river, this is one stream. Naranara Pashti, as they talk about it. And it was just striking to me that I happened to come across this on the week of three weeks, and just about, we're about to start, uh, just about to start to nine days. In Europe, there seems to have been a tradition coming to come in fast on these extra things, only in the tiniest Tiburs, only in the regular Tanesim. Uh, you'll ask me, who wants to fast outside the regular Tinus? That's such an American way of looking at things. You know, <laughs> that's, that's a, in this country, people go crazy if you tell them you can't have, uh, you know, milkshake on the Tisha B'Av. You know, the slightest uh, reduction in the complete, uh, you know, optionality to eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want on a, on a holiday is considered an extreme hazard, an extreme, uh, you know, privation. Uh, long ago, people weren't like that. And they embraced fasting as uh, something meaningful and personally. Uh, I'm doing a podcast, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm doing a, a lecture series now on the pogroms in Russia in 1881. You should see, and these people used to say there was a pogrom in this place, so everybody in Russia should fast, and millions did. And uh, some places, this, I saw this in a history book, not a from guy. Some places, the pogroms were nearby, they fasted for three days. And I'm not sure if they mean three days like Ramadan where you eat at night, or three days like Queen Esther, which is 72-hour fast, which means they were so scared of the Russians and the Cossacks and everything, scared out of their mind, which I can totally understand, that the only thing they could do was uh, daven and, and, and fast their head off in, in, you know, in, in an extreme spiritual experience. So, uh, you know, to have to fast three times, uh, three days, once upon a time our ancestors did this. By the way, the three-day fast is mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch. I just want you to know. Go look it up and this time. It's not a crazy thing. But this is known in the Jewish tradition ever since Queen Esther and uh, some other people as well. 
Uh, I only I want to mention something else very briefly over here. Uh, last week and this week we have the three uh, Haftoras, as you know, of uh, of uh, Paranusa, uh, the three negative, uh, the sad Haftoras before Tishabah, followed by the seven good ones. And last week was the first part of Yermio, the first chapter, and and the second one is the, 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 the today, or, or rather this coming Shabbos is the second chapter in Yermio, and uh, I mentioned this in Shul the other day, just for the intellectuals out there, if you want something to look up, the Sefer Yermio, the book of Yermio is very interesting. Yermio does not want to be a prophet, and God said, you got to do it anyway. Uh, before you were born, I designated you for this job. So I don't care whether you like it or not, you are, uh, you know, ordered into battle. And Yermio doesn't like it. The Abarbanel has a long commentary on Yermio, and so does the Malbim. The Malbim and the Abarbanel are a little bit similar in the fact that they devoted an enormous amount of time and energy to giving these long commentaries on the Tanakh, on the Nach part. I'm not talking about the Chumash, I'm talking about the Nach part. And uh, both of them have uh, Hakdamas, which is synthetic introductions to the book, which really ought to be read by thoughtful people. Uh, if you want uh, to do something extremely appropriate in the, in the next, uh, you know, uh, nine days or whatever, get a hold of the Abarbanel, for example, or the Malbim on the book of Yermiyahu, and read the Hakdama, which is not that long, and uh, when else are you going to do it, you know? And one of the things that the Abarbanel does is he, he uh, gives marks to the prophet Jeremiah. Do you get an A? Do you get a B? A C? And he gives him an A for being very lofty spiritually, uh, on the level almost of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's, it's interesting. Uh, very lofty spiritually. But he gives him a C for um, his linguistic skills, and he gives him a C or a D for his dictic skills. I kid you not. He says, uh, I have it in front of me, uh, on a spiritual sense, he had a very high neshama and, and all that. But when his tzachos melitza is no good, and yofiha melitza is also no good, and also his diktuk was uh, no good. He made many mistakes. Which the Abarmanel assigns the reason, because Yermio started when he was young, was a teenager. So he didn't have education. Uh, the, the Malbim jumps with him. Oh boy, does he go attack him? He says, not true. His diktuk is good. His, uh, his rhetoric, his melitza is good. And it's very two very interesting um, uh, debates, let's put it this way, between the Abarmanel and the uh, Malbim and their Hakdamas to the book of Yermio. If you're the type out there that has any interest in Evrit, or in uh, Diktuk, or in, uh, you know, uh, questions of rhetoric, which is something we don't study in America. You know, the way you uh, write and the use of language. I'll just mention one thing before I run. I have to give a share in a minute. And that is, this is raising the very interesting question, which is debated among scholars of Judaism for many, many centuries. Do the prophets of Israel have verbal inspiration or not? Which By which I mean, do you say about somebody like Yermia, he's like Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem told him the words to say? Or is that wrong? Is it rather that Moshe Rabbeinu was told the words to say, but all the other prophets, like Yermio, were given pictures, and then they have to put in their own words. And then there's room for the barber to say, well, the words you chose were not the best words. So uh, that's a very wide and interesting topic. Maybe I'll return to it in the future. But the way you say in the scholarly language is, we're in the VM, we're the prophets, uh, under verbal inspiration or not. Uh, just these are a few ideas you can carry with you into the Shabbos, and like I say, if you're the type that's into Tanakh, or Nach, I should say, or Nevi'im, 
Uh, this is the time of year we really should be because Yermio, and then you have the prophecies of Yishayo next week, and after that, the uh, seven Nechama, the ones from Yishayo. Uh, these are very famous. An educated Jew ought to be at least uh, somewhat familiar with these, uh, you know, 10 or 11 Haftorahs. Uh, uh, but uh, my time is up, so I'll see you. Have a good Shabbos. And once again, thanks to Avron. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.